I'm Julian Gwilym of Aprio Strategic Communications. Welcome to our very first episode of the Aprio Voice, a podcast in which our team explores topics in corporate communications and investor relations. Today, one of our writers, Dan Murray, speaks to Aprio's Alan Argyle. Alan is a former senior journalist with 30 years experience in the communications sector. He specializes in issue, crisis and reputation management and executive media training. He has delivered more than 900 media training sessions to leaders and spokespeople within JSC Top 40 companies, Fortune 500 multinationals, as well as national government departments and other institutions. Today he reflects on some of the lessons learned from these training sessions, on media engagement in a shifting media landscape, and on what makes an effective spokesperson. So welcome and please enjoy their discussion. Alan, as Julian indicated, you've got a tremendous amount of experience in media training. Is it worthwhile, do you think, looking back at some of the mistakes you most often see while conducting training sessions? I suppose mistakes is probably too strong a word, but in terms of uh, the realities that I've seen out there, I think the fact that a CEO or a CFO have given up a couple of hours to come to a media training session means they're aligned with uh, my number one principle, which is invest time in preparation. But probably that's the one we see most out there, that C-suite execs just don't invest sufficient time in preparing for media engagement. They don't give it the same time, perhaps, that they would apply to a shareholder meeting or to a, a government presentation. Lack of core message preparation is, is clearly another one. Um, everyone's smart enough if they're on a C-suite to, to respond to typical media questions, but just driving their own strategic agendas and looking to, to get their core messaging into play is something that requires a lot of intentionality and, and often we don't see that coming through strongly enough. Treating the media as the enemy or being a little paranoid around the media and that they're out to get me, another common uh, misperception. Uh, and particularly with perhaps more technical experts rather than senior executive levels, just not having sufficient confidence in their own ability and, and not backing themselves, probably another one that we need to work hard at addressing moving forward. You mentioned a lack of priority given to media training as a focus. Have you noticed a trend in this regard? Um, are leaders today more or less likely to prioritize media preparation? Yeah, Dan, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of working with well over 100 listed SA and, and global corporates. Roughly, I'd say two thirds of the execs absolutely get it. Uh, they're prepared. But unfortunately, there still is a relatively high degree of, of apathy, complacence, resistance to media training. Um, but what is really encouraging, I'd say, is to see execs who are at the top of their game, who, who absolutely get it, who in many ways don't really need to invest time in preparation, whether it's ahead of interims, ahead of finals, ahead of special events, just taking the time out to ensure that they've got their core messages sorted, that every member of the team knows whose responsibility is the next day in that panel interview perhaps, uh, have anticipated the difficult questions, worked hard at formulating model responses around that. So it's very encouraging to see this change of, of approach probably in the last five or six years. Traditional media is, to put it politely, in a state of flux. Why do you think it's important to invest in media training when newspaper and magazine circulations have suffered such drastic declines in recent years? Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, looking at circulation figures over the last eight or so years, 
And it's not just confined to South Africa, whether it's UK, whether it's Australia, we're seeing 30, 40% declines in print circulations. And that's, uh, that's certainly the landscape in South Africa. What I find interesting when I, when I ask the groups that are in front of me in a media training session, invariably it's less than 20% who's still buying a newspaper out of their own account. Uh, and invariably it's just a, an occasional Sunday newspaper in that mix. But they certainly are still consuming news via other platforms. And you only have to see how many crises we've seen and reputationally challenging situations we've seen in the last few months in South Africa, be it KPMG, McKinsey and Conkey, that have largely been driven by negative media coverage and which have shaped reputations, built or shattered them to, to recognise that print media, broadcast media still play an overwhelming role in making or breaking a company's future. Who have been some of the best communicators you've come across in your training? Well, given that I've got some skin in the game, I suppose it wouldn't be fair to, to comment individually. But we certainly have some world-class communicators and government communicators who invest time in preparing for a media engagement. They're really focused on their core messaging. They know how to flag and steer and uh, prepare for the five worst questions. They don't try and defend the indefensible or legitimize the illegitimate. And uh, they really do invest sufficient time in, in investing for any media engagement. And perhaps even more importantly, recognizing the role of leaders to be great storytellers. So, so yeah, we've certainly got some some world-class communicators in JSE-listed companies and in some of the top government echelons. Alan, you conduct training with individuals who run the gamut of previous media experience. How do you adapt your training for hardened media-savvy leaders as opposed to someone who's new to the game? Oh, it's an interesting one, and certainly it relates to just how flexible your training package is. I suppose the majority of the 900-plus sessions that I've done fall into a category of just immersing the, the delegates in, in the basics, the fundamentals, and then typically closing with some, some practical skills. But, yeah, doing advanced training programs where you've perhaps only got 30 minutes to do a refresher, and there it's, it's really on-the-spot simulated interview training, interrogating the core messaging, asking those tough questions – you know, ideally for, for that level to, to get into a multi-session approach where we perhaps do a, a masterclass reminding them of the, of the fundamentals and then coming back two, three days later, perhaps a little longer and, and, and just working purely on simulated interviews, whether it be broadcast, whether it be live down the line, uh, telephonic interviews, which represent a whole new dynamic when you haven't got somebody sitting face to face across the way for you. So certainly one can customize it around the level of skill and expertise. And, uh, and people who've perhaps done some very high level training in New York or London with a CNN or BBC invariably find there's something fresh and something a little bit different. And certainly the South African dynamic, very important to, to bring into the mix because it is unique. I'd imagine it's impossible not to include social media when discussing a media landscape. How has your training changed to reflect the rise of social media? Yes, absolutely. Clearly, social media has changed the landscape, particularly in crisis situations. And there's so many synergies between crisis comms and, and classic media interview training. From a, from a media perspective, I mean, the reality is everyone's a broadcaster these days, whereas when I was a journalist in the late 80s, early 90s, there were very few ways of being heard unless you had access to a traditional media platform. 
So certainly issues such as you know on-record behavior, non-media people in the room, auditorium, recording your comments or visually capturing your remarks and behavior, I mean, they're significant risks these days. Just ask a certain former Deputy Minister of Education and dozens of other very senior officials and executives who give me lots of case studies to work with in, in recent years. And certainly your pain thresholds as an enterprise need to be revised in a, in a social media age where everyone's a potential critic. So the fact that we're not spooked by perhaps one individual who's got 10 followers just making a lot of noise, how, how do we respond? What are our thresholds when we do get out there and start robustly defending our reputation? But I'm also sure, and, and some people might argue differently, that the principles of effective media engagement apply equally to, to social media as they do to any form of stakeholder uh, engagement. Social norms, standards, attitudes towards gender and race and disability and sexual orientation, all of those have evolved, thank goodness, dramatically over the years. So, so yeah, execs, spokespeople have to be cognizant just as much of social media as they do to other evolving cultural norms. And, uh, and it's a challenging world out there. You're on record all the time. And uh, it's not just traditional media who perhaps out there capturing and putting it out into the public domain. And finally, if you only had the opportunity to remind executives and spokespeople of three things in terms of their engagement with the media, what would those be? So, yeah, rule number one is always investing time in that preparation. Who's the journalist doing your homework? How has he or she covered the story before? Reminding yourself of those core messages, what your proof points are, what the potential tough questions. So that investment in preparation, first foundation. Then I suppose cheating a little bit and perhaps combining a couple of elements into one commandment. Um, certainly, yeah, those core messages and your steering techniques, focusing on that message house, proof points, massively critical. The reality is that you're always on record. And then, yeah, planning for the five worst questions, most likely questions, massively important. And there it's, it's just so critical that we don't have an emperor's new clothes mentality that, sir, they're only going to ask you the comfortable things. Um, Ma'am, your, you know, your disfluencies that don't exist, we need to be able to have those brave conversations, recognizing the development areas and drawing attention to them so that we can be at our best in building, sustaining, defending our reputation on every media platform. Fantastic. Alan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That will do it for this episode, and I hope that added some value. If you'd like to find out more about Aprio, our team, and the work we do, please feel free to visit aprio.co.za.